When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. It's talking real money time, and my, how time flies when you're having fun. We are already at the end of a week, so that means this is the Friday Q&A. Actually, it's the CQ&A edition of Talking Real Money, the C standing for comments. I am Don McDonald. I do the Friday show because I kind of just hang out here and answer these questions. Just a kind of a quiet little get-together between you guys and me. And we do it pretty much every week. So if you have questions for us, for me, and for uh, Tom and me, you can record them at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. You can type them at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. Or you can call them in and leave them at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. That number also works. Every single Saturday, with the exception of the mega holidays, and I do mean the megas like Christmas, um, we actually talk with you back and forth, you know, have a conversation so we can ask you questions and and uh, kind of get a better feel for what you've got going on. You can call us every single Saturday starting at 3 p.m. Eastern time. If you call before 3, it'll go to voicemail. Call after 3 p.m. Eastern, which is noon Pacific, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. However, on this edition, we generally take the questions that come in recorded at TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on the contact form, and then there's a microphone. You click on that, and you can record it through your phone, through your iPad, through your uh, computer, whatever it is. All right? Now, let's do that. Let's take question. Comment number one. Hi, Don. I assume it's just Don on the Q and A day. Um, I just wanted to make a comment, not ask a question. I'm a regular listener, and I have gotten much excellent advice from you and Tom. And I do use Vanguard for most of my investing. I have other things, T-bills and stuff like that, but mostly Vanguard. And lately, there's been a lot of discussion of how Vanguard is no longer as easily contacted as it has been in the past and that their customer support people are not as available. I am not finding that to be the case. And I have nothing to do with Vanguard. I'm just a person who uses Vanguard. But when I call them, sometimes I have to wait a little while. But in this day and age, that's not unusual. And I don't have to wait for extremely long periods of time. And I can get a human being who is understandable to me. So I have been very pleased about that. And I just wanted to put in a good word for poor old Vanguard that gets pushed around all the time for being unresponsive. I don't think 
that that's still true. If it was true for a while, I think they fixed it. That's all I wanted to say. Thanks again for all you guys do. It's great. I wouldn't know what to do without you. Thank you for that very positive comment about Vanguard. I personally have always had a very soft spot in my heart for the work that Vanguard does because I think they do terrific work. Plus, I have a very dear friend who works as a as a, uh, a phone advisor for Vanguard, and she's terrific. So um, we love Vanguard. Uh, as a matter of fact, nobody could have been more disappointed than uh, Tom and I were when people were calling us saying we had to wait on, on hold forever. And, and the reason we were a little hard on them is because we know that under the, uh, the leadership of Jack Bogle, that it was all hands on the phone when things got busy. And I have the sneaking notion that that's not the case anymore. I really do. I feel that way because maybe it's just because it's always busy right now. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the very kind comment about them. And uh, I'm sure that they will appreciate hearing it too. Take care. And now, yes, another comment. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. This is Rich from New York. Um, I have to take issue with your whole life dissertation on how much you um, despise it. Um, the main reason why, number one, and most importantly, I took out whole life insurance for my children. And um, it was a tiny little policy of 10000 each. And the reason why I did it was because I wanted to protect their insurability and so that they could buy more whole life in, as they get older. And sure enough, they ended up with um, diabetes and they would have been uninsured. Um, so by having the whole life policy, we were able to take out additional at 21, 25, and I believe 30 without an exam. Whereas doing it your way and not taking it, they would have no life insurance going forward. So if they ever get married, they would have been um, uninsurable. Uh, secondly, in regard to the annuities, you know, I still can't, <laughs> although they, um, you keep going, you could earn more, you could earn more. Yeah, but you have to hire a financial advisor at 1%. And with the annuity, you could just go buy an annuity. It'll pay you for your lifetime. And the main what it does is it causes its peace of mind. And if you buy from a AAA highly rated insurance company, the, the likelihood of it going out of business is slim to nothing. I'm talking, you know, like a Pacific Life, a New York Life. And please, gentlemen, don't bring up Washington Mutual and all those. Those are the exceptions. And in New York, if an insurance company does go out of business, you're protected as the policyholder. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, thank you for your comments. Um, I'm going to address them. Uh, I, for one, think that the argument of future insurability is generally speaking a pretty weak one I mean, and it may be good in your situation but that's an anecdotal picking and choosing situation um one we don't think even adults should carry whole life insurance because it's a very expensive form of life that really doesn't make much money it's it's a hybrid it's a it's a savings account and in life insurance and we don't think that the twain should meet 
Uh, and uh, we will probably continue to have that opinion for a very long time. We don't believe in buying life insurance because the thing is, like for your kids, if they're in their 20s and they're unmarried and they have no children, why pay money for life insurance when you don't need to insure against dying. It's the same argument I have. I And again, I don't think that insurability argument holds a lot of water for, for most cases. And we have to be generalists here. Uh, and insuring a child? Why? Why? Other than your argument, I mean, why? There's no need to benefit financially from the death of a child. <clears throat> Plus, it's creepy. But anyway... Moving on to the uh, the annuity point, we have said if you want an immediate annuity, you need that certainty of income in retirement, that that's fine. Make sure it's with a really good company, as you said. And, ca- and by the way, New York has one of the best funds backing up the insurance companies. Many other states don't. So it really depends on where you live. Uh, that aside... The returns from these things, the real returns, are pretty pathetic. Uh, they they are they're the kind of returns you'd expect from a safe vehicle. And our biggest problem is not with the products themselves; it's with how horribly they are sold and how pathetically they are disclosed. Almost none of the downside of annuities is ever disclosed except in the gigantic disclosure documents that are maybe given to the customer. Maybe. They're supposed to be, but are they always? I don't know. I don't think so, but that's just me. Having been in the industry, I just don't think so. Uh, We will continue to probably dislike them on general terms again. We have to be generalists. Because they're not, we don't believe they're right for everybody. And by the way, you don't have to pay an advisor 1% per year to manage your money. You don't. We tell people every single day how they can manage their money on their own with just a couple of funds or ETFs as long as they do a couple of things. One, rebalance. Two, control their emotions. Three, know your risk tolerance, know your needs. As long as you know those things, you don't need an advisor. A lot of people do, but not all. And uh, we do believe you can make a lot more because there's a middleman with insurance. See, the problem is not just one middleman. There are middlemen. And I'm sorry to be sexist, but that's what they're called. Middle people. Uh, the middle people are the, the person selling it who has to, has to receive somewhere between five and seven percent of most annuity sales maybe even more and then there's the insurance company that has to somehow pay for that gigantic staff that beautiful building they're in Uh, i mean they've insurance companies have almost always been some of the most profitable companies in the world and i'm going back hundreds of years hundreds of years the insurance business is very profitable because it's like it's it's a it's a safety casino It's a hedging your bets casino, and they know what it takes to win. They have the numbers, the tables, the actuarial data. So you're never going to convince us, but I'm glad you liked it, and thank you for commenting. I do appreciate that. 
Uh, again, if you have questions, just send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com. TalkingRealMoney.com. And let's go to our next one. This is actually a question. Hey, guys. Love the show. My name is Daniel. I am 38 years old. So you're welcome for bringing down the median age of listener to your podcast. But anyways... My wife and I have been saving faithfully um, exclusively through Roth IRAs um, over the years. And so uh, I work in the nonprofit sector, so I don't make a ton of money, but I make enough and save enough that we should be okay for retirement. Um, We are fine with risk. We're kind of set it and forget it type of investors. So my asset allocation is I have a rebalance every year and have a target percentage of 55% 55% in VTSAX, the total U.S. stock, um, 30% in VEU, total world, all through Vanguard, uh, 5% in BND, the total U.S. bond, and then 10% in VBR, the Vanguard small cap index fund. Um, and so my question is this, is this year we had a unique financial situation to where we're going to price out just for this year only the income limits for a Roth IRA. And so I'm going to be opening a brokerage account for the first time. And so my question is, is when I am investing in a brokerage account, should there be any switch to what my asset allocation is if my goal is ultimately the same? So all the money that we're going to get this year, um, we're living on, we're going to live off the same amount of money, but the increase in money, I want to put all in savings to kind of jump ahead on retirement. So is there any reason I should veer from this asset allocation for it being in a brokerage account as opposed to a Roth IRA? Super grateful for you guys. Thanks. Since you're not eligible for a Roth because of income reasons, you might want to consider a backdoor Roth because it doesn't sound like you have any regular Roths that would have to be sold or, yeah, uh, well, moved into a Roth pro rata and the taxes paid on them. Because you can do a, a backdoor Roth by putting money into a regular non-deductible IRA and then immediately moving it into a Roth. And if you do it immediately, there will be no taxes to be paid on the conversion because you made no money. So if you do it like that, then you end up with Roths and you get around the Roth rule. <laughs> it's it's why this whole thing is so silly. It is just silly. However, if you're going to have, I, I'm not opposed to having a regular brokerage account because Roth contributions are limited. As a matter of fact, you should have a regular brokerage account. In the regular brokerage account should be ETFs, growth-oriented ETFs. The ones that don't distribute a lot of dividends, that would be small cap and emerging markets, those kinds of things, those segments of your portfolio, those should be in the brokerage account in ETFs because ETFs are structured in a way that allows them to, for the most part, avoid capital gains distributions that mutual funds must make on an annual basis. If they buy and sell securities and realize some gains, they've got to pass those gains along to the shareholders every year. And you get taxed on those. And that's the problem with the brokerage account. You get taxed. So if you have ETFs, they don't they don't distribute capital gains. And if you have a low dividend ETF, they don't distribute taxable dividends. So therefore, you get tax 
deferred growth. It's nice. So you get the best of both worlds. You've got the tax-free growth of the Roth and the tax-deferred growth of the brokerage account. And the other benefit, at least with current tax law, is the fact that capital gains are taxed at a lower rate than are uh, income distributions, dividends, and the like. So something to consider. But you're doing very well. Thanks so much. And uh, now we're going to take our last one for the show for the show because I'm, I'm putting a few in i'm keeping some questions back for when i'm on vacation so here's our next question on the friday edition of talking real money hi tom and dan i wanted to know uh real thoughts on what would be the effect on the market if apple was to tank and go underwater as a company what effect would it have on the um, investors who have broadly diversified uh, index mutual funds uh, in their portfolio, uh, like I have 40% uh, U.S. Uh, large cap, uh, like P.T. Sachs, 30% U.S. small cap value, 20% total international uh, stock market, and about 7 to 8% REITs and 1-2% cash. How would a company of the size of Apple going underwater will have an effect on uh, my portfolio, for example, I just wanted to know your thoughts. I know you don't have crystal ball, but again, you know, if you can shed some light. Uh, again, uh, thank you so much for everything you do and hope you continue to do the same for a very, very long time to come. Hmm. That is an interesting hypothetical. And it's just hypothetical. Do I expect that will happen? No. I mean, could it? Sure. Yeah. I mean, Apple practically failed once. Similar companies have stumbled. I don't know of any that big that have failed completely. I'd have to do some historical research, but uh, that would be a big deal if Apple failed. I can't imagine it. I can't. I cannot. But, but to answer your question, what would happen if Apple failed? Well, if like you do, someone has a diversified portfolio that isn't in all large cap growth stocks. For example, if you just own the S&P 500 and Apple failed today, you would lose about 7.5% of your investment. Pretty big hit. However, in your portfolio, given the fact that you only have 40% in large cap growth, your loss across your entire portfolio, because remember, it's not in the small cap. It's not in bonds, um, except for maybe some Apple bonds. You would see your portfolio instantly decline in value by just about 3%. So a million-dollar portfolio, if Apple failed instantly and no one knew it was coming and it just dropped from today's price to zero, which it wouldn't do, your million dollars would go to $970,000. In other words, <laughs> diversification saves you. If you had everything at Apple, well, you lose it all. If you had just a few tech stocks like some of these tech funds or ETFs, well, you would lose a substantial chunk of your money. Even in a large cap, just the large cap, you would lose a decent part of your money. Less than 10%, but it's still a 
painful amount. So more diversification is better. More is better. Thank you for your question. Thank you all for your questions. If you want to send questions, you can send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com using the contact form, or you can call us at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. You can also call every Saturday and talk to both of us as we do a radio show, a call-in show that's live. You just call 855-935-TALK between 3 and 5 Eastern Time, noon and 2 Pacific. And one other thing. Every Saturday, Tom sets aside a couple of hours to actually spend time with a few of you going over your portfolio. He tells me it's the highlight of his week. So, but there are a limited number of slots there. You and it's on Saturday mornings. He will he can't talk to you past about eleven o'clock, ten o'clock Eastern, probably. Ten or eleven o'clock Eastern. But you can book one of those just by going to talkingrealmoney.com and clicking on meet an advisor, or you can meet with our other advisors and it's free. And there's no obligation and there's no high pressure sales pitch like most people in this business. So there you have it. That's all I've got for you. Thank you for being a part of it. If you're listening on Friday, have a great weekend. If you're listening another time, have a great whatever's next. And uh, again, join us tomorrow, 855-935-8255, as Tom and I are Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment tax or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?